0: Can't understand a word she was saying, but it's amazing they did that. Pretty right, right through the thing and came out, and on such and such it it's like wow, that's awesome. Is she here this morning? Or is she? Oh, she's still working, working for you guys are brutal, man. Work, work, work. Uh, let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And this kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. And again, good morning to all those who are at home watching us online or out camping and watching us wherever in the world you are uh, on this 4th of July. Do I look 4th of July to you? Yeah. you. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, uh, real quickly, uh, for our offering, uh, for those of you who are new uh, on the way out, if you'd like to give an offering, you can do so. Uh, There'll be people at the door with buckets and you can put in a cash or check. Uh, Many people give online with recurrent giving, which is very helpful to us. And others use our app on the phone to give uh, as well. So you can check all of that out. And thank you for your continued... uh, supporting the kingdom of God. And not only does this help us, it really helps you. God blesses those who give. It's just the reality of it. It's fundamental to the teachings of Jesus. Give, and it will be given to you. Uh, and those who do that in faith experience much blessings in their lives and prosper accordingly. So continue to follow up on that. Um, this is July now, July 4th. Uh, July 19th is my lovely bride's 50th birthday, we are celebrating here uh, and are having a big party, and everyone is invited. All that we ask is that you should sign up so we know how many people are coming so we can get food uh, as is required. It's on a Tuesday? It's a Monday. It's a Monday. So it's a Monday in the middle of July. And, uh, you know, come on out and have fun with us. We got a band, and we're going to have food and just chilling and having a good time. In the middle of July in Wisconsin. If the weather is lousy, we will move inside the church, but it'll all be down on that end uh, for that. So sign up. We'll keep reminding you over the next few weeks uh, before we go any further with that. Um, I-, I was supposed to be right now, Deanna and I and her son Taton, on a flight to uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, uh, the plasters having their. Fiftieth wedding anniversary, Ed and Darlene. Many of you know who they are, and uh, invited us. Oh, a bunch of people are coming out to Wyoming and having a big celebration for them. Um, Friday afternoon, uh, late afternoon, actually. Her son Tayton said, "You know, man, there's been something itching on my back. You know what it is? Because he's had it for a few days, but you can't see it. You know, it's one of those spots you just can't see it. So." Uh, he pulled up his shirt, and there, there is a big round thing, this big, with a little bite in the middle. It was like, whoa! I mean, it was pretty red and inflamed. And Deanna says, it's a tick bite. And I says, no, nah, it's got to be a spider. And we debated back and forth, and so uh, he was getting yeah, having a fever and feeling awful. So, well, we'll go in tomorrow morning, which was yesterday, to check it out. And it turns out it was a tick bite, and uh, he has limes. So, they put him on some real heavy uh, antibiotics and stuff like that. And he f- feels perfectly horrible. <laughs> so, if you can remember him in your prayers, that would be appreciated. Uh, the doctor said hopefully they caught it early enough that uh, in a few days he'll start feeling better. But, so, anyway, we canceled the trip and are here. Ta da! But, uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, I wasn't supposed to be here, and I asked my son Phil to stand in and preach for me this morning. Um, and I actually thought about it I mentioned this in the first service and all the years I've been doing this whenever I'm here I always preach unless we're having a special guest come in or something usually I call on Phil or others to preach for me oh, when I'm gone I see them and hear them online like uh, many people do but uh, in all the years I'm, was doing, I've been doing this the last service was the first time I actually sat in the audience and heard my son preach he did a fabulous job anyway would you please welcome my son Phil Gunger?
1: What's <laughs> funny, him not being here, I was going to make a joke about how if he was here, he's probably dressed like Yankee Doodle. <laughs> so when I saw him this morning, I was glad to see he did not disappoint. That <laughs> was great. As you can see, my styling choices are a little different. Compared to him, man, it looks like I'm a communist or something. I just like... <laughs> Listen, I, I, I love this country, honest. <clears throat> Well yeah, today being 4th of July, uh, there's a lot of you uh, joining online, hanging with family and friends as we talked about. It's good to see all you guys here for our Celebration Church small group this morning. Uh, it's to be fun, I promise though, I'm gonna keep it, I uh, won't get too long. I know that you guys have, you know, some salted meats of some kind that aren't gonna grill themselves, and those fireworks aren't gonna blow themselves up. So yeah, I need to get you guys out there. Hopefully you just all return with the same amount of digits as uh, you left with this morning. Uh <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Just guys, we're just so dumb. You know, it's like if you sit and you think about it, like this thing's gonna blow up, you would just, common sense would say then keep your distance. But then like if it's like it hasn't quite blown up, our thought is, well, I should go closer and check. You know, I don't know why we think that. But anyway, God bless America. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but this morning, uh, yeah, as I said, I'll make sure to get you guys out so you can have fun and enjoy the day. Uh, So to quote William Shakespeare, uh, because nothing says patriotic like quoting an English playwright. (laughs) He said, brevity is the soul of wit, so I will keep it brevy and witty, all right? Let me start with saying this on this 4th of July, that I truly do love this country. And uh, most days I'm proud to be American. (laughs) There's some days that you're like, But I really do believe that this country is... uh, the greatest country in the history of humankind. And do not mishear me, I'm not saying that all the other countries stink, all right? I'm not xenophobic, uh, you know? I'm not saying America is perfect, it certainly is not. I mean, think about it, it's made of a bunch of citizens who are us, imperfect beings, who then we go on to elect other imperfect humans who then go on to appoint lots of other imperfect humans to govern everything, so I'm not saying it's perfect, but this is really a great country. You know, I love how it was, the whole thing got started, you know, when you, you, we learn as we're kids about the pilgrims, you know, this group of Protestants who were told that they couldn't worship the way they wanted to worship. You know, the king was saying, not it's the Church of England or bust. And they thought, you know what, we wanna go somewhere else for some religious freedom. And even though we probably don't hold all the same, you know, religious beliefs that they hold. I think our church services look a little different than their church services looked. It's really impressive what they did, you know? I mean, it's not just, hey, I'm not loving this church here. I'm gonna go to the church across town. It's like, hey, I don't love the church here. I'm gonna leave civilization and go and start a whole new life. But that's kinda how this thing got started. You have this Christian influence. You know, and then some 245 years ago to this day, we had 13 colonies that declared their independence from Great Britain and made a huge statement across the entire world. And then went on to win one of the great upsets, you know, uh, in military history. That's what we get to celebrate today. Go America. (laughs) And then here we are today, and, and really in a relatively short period of time, you know, America became really truly the first global superpower the world has ever seen. And, you know, some people think, you know, about the things that have made us great, and you might think, well, it's this or that, it's our guns, it's this or that, it's the American spirit, whatever it be, it's our, you know, the, we just choose to be free. But what, what I thought was so interesting is I, I came across, uh, we were reading a book uh, some of the folks on staff here and, and there was this quote in here from this communist uh, like think tank and he's this philosopher, communist, smart dude and <laughs> he said he was part of this group and they, they were a part of this group that was determined to figure out why America was what it was. Why was it so great? Why is it so powerful? And they wanted to get in and really understand it so they studied it for like 20 plus years on what it is and just focused on it. And here's a quote from him. He says, we were asked to look into what accounted for the preeminence of the West all over the world. At first, we thought it was because you had more powerful guns than we had. Then we thought it was because you had the best political system. And then next, we focused on your economic system. But in the past 20 years, we have realized that the heart of your culture is your religion Christianity he said that is why the west has been so powerful the Christian moral foundation of social and cultural life was what made possible the successful transition to democratic politics we don't have any doubt about this wow you know we live in a time now where there's a lot of people in our culture who want to silence the church, want to tell Christians to be quiet. You know, they don't like it when churches get too political. There's a lot of people who are probably just freaking out that there's a flag behind us. And now, I'm not saying that our religion is based on America. America is not heaven, okay? Um, But there is something very Christian about loving where you are at and loving the people closest to you. And to see that it has been this Christian moral foundation that has started with being something that even other countries know, communist countries. Now keep in mind, communism started off as hating religion. I mean, Karl Marx, you just look up some of his quotes and you're just like, man. That dude did not like God. He did not like the church. And that was part of the communist thing that went forward. And for those guys to look and say, wow, it's their Christianity is what points to this greatness is huge. But I do believe that, you know, some people do struggle with the church getting political or how do we as the church uh, connect with things. And, you know, I found some scriptures where, You know, because people will say, well, you know, as Christians we're supposed to live, as foreigners in this world, right? We're not of this world, we're just here and we're supposed to just love everyone, which is absolutely true and it absolutely is true that that's how we're supposed to live here. But you can read through scripture and you find out that there's sometimes some emphasis put on, yeah, love everyone and especially People close to you, people you live next to. So I wanna take a look at a couple of those scriptures. Uh, First in Galatians 6.10, it says this. It says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. It's as though there's a specialness about those who are close to you, who have similar deep bond as you do. You know, we have this kind of affection for them that's different in the rest of the world. Timothy 5.8 says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith. So it seems like it's right not only to have this general love for everyone that covers the entire world. Yes, covers our neighbors, covers our enemies, but also, and especially for our family, those near to us. And then Paul himself said in Romans 9.3 that he had a special burden for my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. It doesn't seem to me that he would have written like that if it weren't appropriate appropriate for him to feel some kind of special affection for his fellow Jews, a kind of patriotism, if you will, for his ethnicity. So it's okay to have some American pride, amen? (laughs) Amen. or any country you come from, for that matter. But on the 4th of July, I think uh, it's okay for me to err on the side of being American. <laughs> now, when I thought about this, I started thinking about, uh, I mean, that, that quote just really stuck with me. And, and you know, because you think about how can we, we affect the world, and, you know, it's, it's easy to get drawn into certain little political fights, like, okay, as a Christian, how do I really approach this? And and to to see it's just me being a Christian and living out Christianity makes such a bigger impact than I think we realize. So I started looking at some of those things. What are some of those Christian moral foundation things that set us apart? And uh, the one that really stuck out to me, probably because it was the one that I went owie with the most, was uh, kindness. (laughs) You know, now kindness isn't a state of mind or a mood. It's an action. And until it becomes a natural part of who we are, it needs to be an intentional action, which means it needs to be something that we we practice until it bubbles up out of us. You know, it's like I had the thought of kind of like when you're learning to drive. You know how it is when you're learning to drive, it takes all of your focus just to keep that car in the middle of those lines? But then you go a few years, you grow up. I mean, before you know it, like you can be yelling at kids in the back, you know, keeping it straight while eating a three-course meal right there. Right, Like, you don't have to think about the keeping it straightness. And as we begin to practice kindness, and we begin to ask the Spirit to help us with that, because it's a fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit will help us with that. We'll start to have kindness bubble up, and I start thinking, man, those, that's some of the things that set us apart as Christians. And as I thought about it, I thought, oh, my goodness, I don't know that I'm very kind. Now, I'm nice. I told my wife this, and she said, you're kind, but I think she meant I'm nice. (laughs) Because I am nice. I think I'm very nice. (laughs) You know, but kindness is not just a matter of helping the old lady cross the street or holding open the door for a stranger or if you see someone struggling with something, picking something up and helping them. You know? That kindness doesn't really get in your way, which is why I like it. It doesn't require you to change your schedule, your lifestyle, or your mood. I do not like to be inconvenienced. It is kindness light. You know, all oh, the flavor of real kindness with half the inconvenience. <laughs> that I get on board with. That I have no problem with. But I was laughing, I think, yeah, man, I don't know if anyone would just describe me as kind. Like, Phil's kind, you know? I thought, no, they, prob- no, they would use the word kind, but it would be Leading into something else, like Phil is kind of uh." (laughs) (laughs) that. I'm like, Yeah, that I could see. So I thought, Man, I, I, yeah, I need to work on kindness. So I'm, I don't know if you need to hear this today, but I'm preaching to myself. Hopefully, there's something here for you as well. So, what it is, I I found a great story on kindness in the Bible is found in Luke uh, 10. It's where Jesus is given the story of the Good Samaritan. I think we've all heard of this. A story, so I want to take a look at that this morning. Uh, starting in verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus replies, What is written in the law? How do you read it? So the guy answers, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Now, if the guy was smart, he would have ended there. He had a conversation, a communication with Jesus, and it ended well. There's a lot of recordings where it doesn't end well. This guy apparently was not familiar with this, and so he decided to follow up on that question. <laughs> he, said, he said, it says, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked, and who is my neighbor? You know, which I thought was funny. He has no problem loving God. But then when it says love your neighbor, he's like, well, okay, hold on. <laughs> like, like, who is my neighbor? You know, like, just the guy next to me, too. I mean, obviously not the block over. That gets crazy. You know, he, he doesn't know what it is, so he wants a little more clarification on the neighbor. Uh, so Jesus then says, aha, I got you now. So he uses a chance to give a parable, a very famous one. He says this. On verse 30, he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, this was another religious leader in their community, almost like a civic leader, and he said when he came and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Which I gotta tell you, up to this point, I feel like I'm connecting more with the priest and the Levite. True, I mean, if I came up to some naked guy beat up on the side of the road, I would probably go to the other side. I'm, you know, like, ugh. Although, in this day and age, I feel like that's also how a lot of, like, murder stories start, correct, right? <laughs> it's like, so I'm saying, be smart. I'm not saying just that, you know, and I don't think Jesus' point was, just look for naked beat up guys on the side of the road, and that is what we're called to do. All right? <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yes. <laughs> but then, he said, but then a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, what's interesting is when we say Samaritan today, we almost hear it as that's a kind-hearted person, right? And that's, we get that because of this story. But at the time Jesus is saying this, when he says Samaritan, it is like shocking to the Jews, okay? Because he's speaking to a completely Jewish audience. And to help you understand how what well, kind of shock or offensiveness that is. Let's say today I'm speaking just completely all pro-Trumpers, and I'm telling the story, and then I say, and then Nancy Pelosi came by. <laughs> you, there'd be some of you sitting there, well, I'd tell her to leave me in the ditch and die. I don't want any help from her. <laughs> that is the kind of response that the Jews would have given to this. So when Jesus uses it, it's like, uh, excuse me? And he says, but then a Samaritan, Nancy, she travels by (laughs) to where the man was. And when he saw him, it says he took pity on him. It says he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And then the next day he took out two denarii, some money, gave it to the innkeeper. And he told the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense you may have. So Jesus says, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Cause see, that beat up guy in the ditch, he was a Jew, and the Samaritan was, well, a Samaritan. <laughs> Two groups that did not like each other. They did not associate The Jews reviled the Samaritans and the Samaritans knew it. And this Samaritan, it's not like he was just wandering up and down the street looking to do good deeds. He had a schedule to keep. He obviously must have been, he had money. He had things. He probably had a place to go, a meeting to get to. He didn't have a lot of time for distractions. And yet the Samaritan dragged the injured man out of the ditch dressed his wounds, set him on his own donkey, and brought him to an inn. Then the Samaritan, already late for his appointment, I guess, decided to stay the night with the injured guy at the inn. And then the next morning, he paid the innkeeper in advance and promised to return and pay any further expenses for the traveler's recovery. He made sure the guy was taken care of. He followed through and he followed up. And see, sometimes kindness puts you in contact with folks you'd really prefer not to have contact with. (laughs) Sometimes it forces you to go out of your way and totally wrecks your schedule. Sometimes there are out-of-pocket expenses you're probably not going to recover. And once you're involved, kindness often requires some kind of follow-up to make sure the job is completed. Kindness can be intrusive like that. And see, this Samaritan must have known that this he didn't know if this guy was gonna pay him back. He had to assume he's not gonna get reimbursed for any of this. Knowing that that guy's a Jew and he's a Samaritan, he probably thought, there's no chance this dude's probably even going to thank me. And yet he stopped, and he was kind to him. And the Good Samaritan story, it brings up also another side, side of the kindness. And it's this. It's that God first practiced kindness to us so that his mercy would lead us to repentance. And what that means is God has given us a massive break that we might in turn give others a break. Remember that prayer we prayed this morning? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that's what happens when people offend us. We hold on to something and we demand repayment. Maybe we'll call it justice. Make things right. And we demand payment back. And we hold on to that. And I tell you what, there's too much of that going on in this country today. And I'm all for justice where there is injustice, amen? The church has been a leader in those things throughout history. What about you as the individual, though, And you get offended is your first thought, oh, I'm gonna get that person back. Because today, that's what happens. Someone offends you, you're offended in some way. The thing is, and you cut them off. You silence them. You shut them down. Why? Because you are owed something. How many think that we probably owe God a lot? And what did he do? He forgave us our sins. What does he ask us to do? Forgive those who've sinned against you. So we gotta remember that. Because listen, there will be times that your spouse or your kids, your family, that guy at work who always has something to say to you, right, you try real hard to avoid him. (laughs) And then he like pops up like, is he like, it's kind of like Cato from Pink Panther. I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> He's just always hiding. Ah! <laughs> but when they come and they say, L- listen, sit, be nice, be kind. You can listen. You don't always have to answer back, Phil. <laughs> you don't have to listen just to show what a great martyr you are by listening. Just listen. And when a careless word offends you, let it roll off your back. Don't hold on to that. As soon as that hurt comes, say, oh, oh, hold on, this hurt wants repayment, mm-mm, I'm letting that go. If your kid screws up because they're acting like a kid, you don't need a blow up. Yes. Put your arm around them, love them. Now, because be aware of this, those uh, that you're around every day, they're gonna be the ones To whom you're most blind to your little unkindnesses and they're the ones who will be most profoundly affected by your little kindnesses so practice kindness with those you know best your spouse your kids your family people you work with and I'm telling you that's what these communist folks were seeing when they looked at this country and saw there's something different about you and it's your Christian moral foundation It doesn't happen at the top. It doesn't happen in government's not going to make that happen. The way you vote isn't going to make that happen. It's going to happen with how you live at home. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, I thank you for your kindnesses to us and that you have forgiven us and that we can in turn forgive those around us, that we can be kind to those who we don't want to be kind with. (laughs) And God, as I know in my own heart, it's tough, I don't like being inconvenienced. (laughs) I don't always like doing the kind thing, but Lord, I know that this is what you ask and I truly believe that your spirit is there with me. If I lock into that, if I find that, you can help me be kind and find those things. I pray you help all of us to look for areas that we can love our neighbor, that we can be kind to those around us. And God, I pray that your grace, your blessings continue to be on every person here and continue to be on this great country that we call home. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Phil. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward and get ready to serve. Our time of communion as we wrap up our service this morning. This is our weekly reset, a time where we just examine ourselves, uh, ask God to forgive us for any mess-ups we've had, shortcomings we've had over the last week. The Bible tells us before we take of communion that we should examine ourselves. I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads as I pray a word, a prayer of forgiveness over everyone. And if you can think of anything that comes to your mind that you need to make right, just confess it to God. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, something that we've done, perhaps something that we've left undone, if we've not loved you with our whole heart and have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice For our sins, we ask you to have mercy on us and forgive us of all of our sins. Strengthen us in your goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And as heads are still bowed, if you're new to faith, if you've never truly experienced God's saving grace in your life, I want to encourage you right now, quietly in your own words, just ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. And you can start your first steps of faith this morning in experiencing this wonderful thing that we celebrate here at Celebration Church. Amen.